Welcome back to the Seat Time Podcast, and yes, this is a very late October episode. For the October episode, we are here with Ricky Russell. Ricky Russell is a GNCC and National Enduro racer. This year, he is back on the AMPRO Yamaha team. Very interesting conversation. We go all the way back to his first bike when he was three years old was a PW50, so he started on Yamahas. He's been on Yamahas most of his career interspersed. We talk about that with different brands, of course, and different teams, but now back on that Ampro Yamaha racing team. So cool to have these conversations with Ricky Russell. Of course, we do get into a few rabbit holes. I hope you guys enjoy those. Thank you as well for the questions that you guys sent through on Instagram. I'm going to kind of try to do that for the next couple episodes asking there in the stories. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, make sure you do that. If you want to support Seat Time, know that we have launched the Utility Can Caddy. So it is our first from the ground up product. I am going to link to the main video that is out there on YouTube if you want to learn a little bit more about that. The pre-order is still going on currently and it will be going on until I have the product in hand. They should ship this week from the manufacturer. We're getting excited. So please go learn a little bit more about the Utility Can Caddy. Up until that, I hope you guys enjoy this Seat Time podcast episode from October with Ricky Russell. Dude. Ricky Russell, I think it's been about nine years since you were first on seat time. When I tried to go back into the record books, it looks like it was about 2014. Is that not nuts that we're still doing this to some degree? Let's go away. I just gave my dog a bath and she's freaking out. Um, yeah, no, it's crazy. I remember uh, Big Sky, I think it was. Me, Brad oh Bonham, yeah, and Ashburn, a few of us were... Uh, kind of live you did a live thing and we kind of were in studio yeah. with you and that's yeah i think that's the last time I've dude really that's crazy memories right yeah. there that's for sure and that was awesome and i'll be honest big stew and i we spent too much money and time at the bar i'll just yeah. put it that way <laughs> yeah that'll happen that'll happen yeah yeah because one you're big sky and two you're with big stew it's like well somebody's gonna spend too much and probably consume too much alcohol yes very yeah we're hanging out with with him that'll happen yeah. yeah. Now, Big Sky, that's kind of like your area, right? Like, but you're more Pacific Northwest than that area originally. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because, like, I'm like probably uh, 12 hours from Big Sky. And oh, okay, okay. So, but it's funny because I was on the East Coast racing, and then those guys were going, so I just kind of tagged along and went with them because I was kind of yeah. that's when I was just getting into the scene of things and was hanging out with the Yamaha crew and. I was just, uh, yeah, kind of tagging along, trying to go race anywhere I could. And so it's funny because, yeah, that was, I was almost back home when I drove back. We, we drove from South Carolina, so it was a solid drive. Oh, dude, that's like an extra solid drive. I yeah, mean, the United was, States is not a small country. No, it was a solid, yeah, 35 hours or so, or 40. Oh, my God. So what, how old are you now, and what would that have been 10 years ago? I am an old man now. I'm a... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm 32 now. So yeah, I would have been my first year. First year I came back here was 20. I was 22. So that that's was crazy, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. I'm 44, man. So if anybody's the old <laughs> man on this podcast, it's going to be me, bro. Okay. I get 45 yeah. next year. Hey, still, still going strong. Yeah, I may not uh, be the fastest I ever was, but I'll be completely honest. I feel 
amazing when I ride still, right? Like I, I just, yeah. I found a consistency in life to like the way that I eat, the way that I train and do those kind of things that when I get on the bike, I have a shit ton of fun and I feel fairly competitive for where I'm at. Now, if I wanted to race race, I might put some more effort in, in, in the sense of like truly training, but dude, I'm here to enjoy get seat time. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's my whole goal. So hey, and it, it still puts a smile to- on my face. Yeah, exactly. When it comes down to it, that's what it's all about. So I, I yeah. still go home. I go home in the off season. I get my 62 year old dad out, and he loves it. And I, I mean, he still just loves to ride. So it's, yeah. When it comes down to it, that's what it's all about: going out and having fun. And um, if you do it enough, yeah, like you are, it's not like you're stupid sore and beat up after a long day of riding. You're kind of just, yeah, like you said, you're feeling good. Yeah. Now in that, you just mentioned, you know, your dad being 62, you get to go back home and ride with him. Is he the one that got you into riding and kind of what did that look like from the beginning days of uh, Ricky, Ricky Bobby? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, He got me into it. Yeah. But we like, I didn't start racing until way later in life. I kind of started on my own a little bit because um, we just grew up going camping and trail riding in the mountains in Washington. That's like all we did. We just every weekend with family and friends we were out trail riding and just enjoying dirt bikes and then um, once I got I turned 16 I could drive I had some friends at school that were like you need to come try this race thing you're, you're pretty good and uh, so I went and I won my very first race and I was I was addicted ever since do you remember what that first race was uh yeah it was a, it was it was a local part of the NMA off-road series back home so um, Crazy. And it was at Stradaline. Um, oh, I've heard Park. that name. Yeah. Yeah. Works has gone there a few times. And, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I raced. Uh, I think 200B or something, and it was two and a half hours long. And I remember I'd never never been so tired on the dirt bike before. I've never experienced anything like that. So. Love at it. That time. Yeah. It was. Well, it was did, cool. so did your dad ever race? Was that ever anything on his radar? No, he just, uh, he never got into racing. I have some uncles that were into flat track big time and into some other types of racing here and there, but they never, my family, we were just, yeah, more into just going camping, riding, um, just hanging out and enjoying, enjoying our weekends together. So, um, once I got into it heavy, we actually had a really good group of us though. Lots of friends and family that got into it too. And we were going to every single local race together. So it was still really cool and really family oriented. And that's, what's really cool about off-road racing. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I, I grew up uh, going with my dad, you know, he got me a bike at uh, JR 50 at five. And we'll, I'm going to ask you what you started on too, but it was the same thing, right? Like we were just going to the spillway and stuff, but dad had, my dad had raced earlier on. And I think mm-hmm. I was around like eight or nine. And he was like, dude, we're going racing, get ready. And um, I was always the fattest and slowest one out there. Um, for, well, for a very long time, uh, you know what I mean? But I, I, it's like, we, I have so many awesome memories of us in the back of whatever van he was driving, pulling our three rail trailer, right. Eating hot dogs and ramen noodles on Saturday nights, um, after the kids race for me and he's got the net, you know, his enduro or whatever was uh next day on Sunday. So it's cool that we have these memories and it is interesting that this sport seems like it gives us this. Now I'm sure if we rock climbed, if we mountain biked more, or we did any of those things, we might, you know, we probably have some of that, but I, I think the dirt biking as- aspects of it's pretty stinking cool. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think, yeah, most sports, if you got into it, you'd 
that you could do it with a group of people and still enjoy yeah. it. But yeah, it seems like the off-road community is just like, it's such a small world and you, everyone knows everyone kind of. I know people from the West Coast over to, through the East Coast and it's funny, you run into people and you're like, you, you know them from someone who knows someone. So who races yep. and yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a small community and it's, it's kind of cool because everyone's uh, pretty, for the most part, everyone gets along pretty well. Yeah. So what was that first bike? Uh, I had a P-Dub 50. Um, all right. All right. It was a yellow one with the number one on the front, you know, that came course, like that. So yeah, it was, it was cool. I think the first time I rode it, I was three and I pinned it. There was no training wheels back then. I don't think, I don't know. We didn't have any, but I just pinned it wide open straight at a rock, uh, rockery we had in the yard, just like a rock retaining wall. And my cousin tackled me right before I hit the wall. And I think I was balling and didn't ride it for like another six months after that. And then about six months later, I, I uh, kind of got the courage again, I think, and got on it and was able to start riding. And then I was hooked and just all I would do every single day after school, come home and, and ride my dirt bike. <laughs> That's awesome. I think we all strangely have some kind of story like that. Mine wasn't me particularly. It was my sister. My dad was trying to get her to ride like my XR100, I think, in one of the parking lots by where we grew up. Because I grew up in the suburbs of uh, just outside of New Orleans, right? There, there was no single track around where we, uh, specifically yeah. around where we were. Um, and so he was trying to show her in the parking lot and she just like got the throttle stuck. And my dad took <laughs> off running and somehow like grabbed the brake and the clutch right before she, because she was just about to pile drive right into this huge curb. And if, yeah. obviously, I mean, she had a helmet on and stuff, but if she'd have done that at whatever she was doing, 20, 30 miles an hour, it'd have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> something about something about every time someone first gets on a dirt bike, they, they get the panic, and the panic is this for some reason. I don't know why I know. everyone likes to pin it wide open one direction. And you see a lot of videos online nowadays of people, people pinning it into a fence or uh, bushes or whatever. It's kind of comical. Well, I looked around at your Instagram. It was funny. We were talking about 2013, and it's 2012. Your first picture posted to Instagram is you on a KTM. looks like a four-stroke. It's got 212 on the bike, right? And I think you're at an Enduro Cross. So I have to oh, ask, yeah. like, how did that adventure go for you way back then? That's funny uh, you say that. I had just, you know, memories pop up on Facebook every day, and I just had a memory pop up. I got to go on the news locally in everett washington and do the enduro i probably thing. was what that was about because you said something you saw, about, about to go on the air or something yeah. but i didn't know what that meant yeah so yeah it was uh it was kind of cool i was i was uh just kind of getting into it a little bit and enduro cross was becoming a big deal at the time and so i i tried doing that series i think for almost two years and um man it's cutthroat it was hard it was hard it was it was a learning experience and um yeah I, I did it for two years i had R, uh, rpm ktm support for a little bit and then um i tried to race some desert stuff after that and that's kind of where i started stepping into more off-road and then decided to go gncc yeah you just said more off-road so does that mean that like but you mentioned too that that first race when you were about 16 years old was it sounds like a hair scramble right about two and a half hours long um, did, was there any kind of like motocross racing in there in this thought that that might be more of where you're headed or was it always kind of like off-road to some degree? Yeah, I never rode any motocross like growing okay. up until, until I got a little older and then 
once I got a little older, I started riding it a lot more. Still not ever really racing it. I've raced a couple, couple local motocross races here and there, but more just riding it and then got into it. And just the hair scrambles kind of just fit my style more than um, like enduro cross or uh, kind of the, the desert style racing. I just kind of fit over coming over here and racing in the woods, more hair scramble style. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because the Pacific Northwest always looks bitching, right? Like the brown dirt, the slick roots, the bitching looking trees and stuff. Like, I have to get out there. Like Gold Creek Lodge kind of stuff. Like, oh, yeah. my God, it has to happen. I got to have an old man summer camp or something. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> But I know, like, in the Idaho area, there's a little bit of everything, right? You can kind of get those woodsy single track, but you can get some desert stuff. So did you have – that 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 varying degree as well where you were at in washington or was it just more like one single type of terrain up there no it's kind of similar to that in idaho where like okay uh, western washington's all single track and real woodsy and kind of that black wet broody just technical stuff we go on some pretty gnarly stuff which is fun to fun to just get through and then um you go to eastern washington and we got like desert riding and desert racing like you know the uh Desert 100 they do every year is right Eastern Washington and it's it's literally yeah you're out in the middle of nowhere and all there is is sagebrush so it's kind of crazy that the the mountain range there separates it and it's so uh, diverse when you go over the mountain range and get get uh, further east but like just a little bit east like just over the mountains that's where my favorite riding is about Clayton area and stuff you uh, you can go on. 50 60 you can go on 100 mile rides if you wanted to but we can only make it so far on gas but we go like 60 mile loops and never hit the same trail and it's through the mountains and it's super cool views and that's kind of what i grew up doing so now when i do go home that's where i try to go get my dad out to go do and kind of brings back good memories and kind of reminds you why we do it yeah and what was the name of that riding area um the one that the place that i like the most yeah your cool. your favorite it's, one it's like Cleelum area. It's Cleelum, Washington. Um, Cleelum? Cleelum. Cleelum. That sounds Canadian to me. You're making that shit up. I know you are. You're making that shit up. I don't believe you. That's yeah. That's kind of like my favorite area. You can go. You can go either side of the interstate there, and there's multiple mountain ranges to go rip on. It's really cool. Ah, sounds amazing. Sounds like we need to have a Ricky Ricky Russell summer camp. Yeah, you know, like, hey, whatever, whatever. I, I go home for the month of July every year, so come on out. I'm putting that in my notes. Yeah. Month of July, <laughs> yeah. summer camp with Ricky Bobby. Maybe we'll bring back seat time adventures and we'll all go hang out with Ricky Bobby there in uh in close to that Everett, Washington area. Well, yeah. what's crazy is you said I started on a PW50. And again, as I go through the history books, and and I've been following you for uh, you know majority of your career that I've been able to watch anyway, you've been on a lot of Yamahas. Now, granted, yeah. what's hilarious is I totally forgot about the stint on the Suzukis in there. I want to say that was like 2015, 2016 in there. But then also with Coastal, you kind of had this a little bit of a year on a Husky, and then two years on a Gas Gas, and now you're back on Yamaha. But you have had. A phenomenal <laughs> amount. I mean, like a, a plethora of time on Yamahas. Like, what has that been like, right, on all of these different bikes? Yeah, no, a majority of my uh, career has been on Yamaha. So um, I've always liked them, but I kind of, yeah, I kind of ventured out to just try something different. And um, 
Uh, Suzuki was kind of just a, a, we got a little bit of support from a, a local guy here in Indiana who really helped me out. The MCS uh, crane service guy, he's, he's super cool. And he was just the, for that year in 2016, he had a good team with me and Chris Douglas. And um, I just kind of, yeah, it was that's, kinda, Oh my God, that right. That was Chris Douglas, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that's, that's like brought back all kinds of memories. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. It was it was a good year though. Like we uh we made improvements throughout the year and changes on the bike and I actually liked that Suzuki. It was it was good. Um yeah, it didn't change for many, many years, but um yeah. I don't so think it's that, changed since then. No. I, I, they did a little update since then, but yeah, it's not much different. kickstart Kenny's on it, the newer one, but yeah. Um so, but yeah, at the end of the year, I got like uh, multiple podiums in XC1, which were my first ever XC1 podiums. And that was on the Suzuki. And then I got Yamaha's, uh, got to be part of the Ampro Yamaha team the next year. So I was on with them for three years. And then, um, yeah, I, I went to Coastal for three years, which the first year was going really well. And I had a near-death experience, which was not fun. And, right. Um, yeah, that put me out for the rest of the season. Unfortunately, that was the COVID year, and um, but yeah, then I I rode Gas Gas for two years in a row, which is essentially close to the same as the Husky. But um, yeah, we've we've kind of got now we've circled back around and we're back on the uh, blue bikes and we're loving it. We, uh, it's kind of like a I don't know we reunited a little bit, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, what do you? I mean, I think the four strokes that you were on probably would have been carbureted, right? I think it was before they even had like auto decompression cams in them and stuff like that. So like my question with all of that, it's like, you've been on Yamahas and they've changed a lot. Like, yeah. what is it to you that sticks out, right? About like how much Yamahas have changed. So my first four stroke was an 08YZ250F. And so, yeah, that was carbureted and we were, First thing you do when you get it is you jet it, rejet it, and the tie wire, the uh, whatever it was called, I don't even know. But yeah, it was something on the car. But um, yeah, you just, it. that was for multiple years because then I went to uh, 08 450 and 09 450, and those were all carbureted. And then I wrote, and these are all Yamahas. I rode Yamahas. That was all locally when I raced local back home. I had support from a little local shop that just gave me like a little discount and that's why I just stuck with them and they helped me out for many years and um so I stuck with Yamaha and then when I came over here I was actually already kind of riding KTMs but I ended up they were my personal KTMs and I had issues going into round one uh 2013 and uh had to go back I bought one of Wibbs uh Yamaha 450s off of him and so Round one, I rode it for one week beforehand and was back on the Yamaha and raced uh, Florida for three hours. And that was, I've been with, I stayed on the Yamaha all the way until 2016 after that. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Keep going. Sorry. 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 I was going to say, yeah. So then I went with Jason Rain's team. I got XC2 support. And uh, so I rode 250S and they were luckily fuel injected at that time. And then. Yeah, they were really good bikes. And then um, uh, now, yeah, we don't have to deal with jetting or anything like that. But they just keep developing and keep getting better and better. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's like, what's next? 
Well, uh, one of the questions that came up when we were posted on Instagram was asking about the new chassis. Um, and so, like, it, it's been tough for me to, to be completely honest, like, staying completely up to date. So I don't even know if they're referring to the 23 bike, if it was a 22, or maybe if it's the 24 and you've been able to be on it yet. But is there anything that you've got the thoughts on kind of, like, the chassis that you're riding now on some of the 450s? Yeah, it's probably, it probably is the, it's the 23 450. They made a huge change from okay. like the whole, they revamped the whole thing. It's one, and it's what Tomac and Fernandez went to. And um, it worked for them pretty well, obviously Tomac. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's, uh, we've been working out some little kinks here and there. Um, but I didn't actually get to ride Yamaha for three years. So like, it's a big difference from oh, yeah. it was a 19 that I last rode. So from that model to this model, I like, I love this model. So this new one, the new, new updated one, just, it just kind of fits me pretty well. And I've been really jiving with it pretty good. So, um, well, there's, like I said, there were still kinks here and there, uh, FC, factory connection got us dialed in suspension. We did a couple of weeks of testing with them and, um, that was that was huge and then um, we've tested things here and there and changed little things and uh, yeah it's so far now I think we've got everything worked out and I'm uh, uh, hopefully going to 24 um, fully prepared on the new model knowing what I'm what I'm getting into and um, hopefully battle for that championship yeah what yeah. are some of those little things that you're talking about that that you might think would separate Say, let's just say it, me from you or you from me, right? That there's those little things that you're talking about changing that probably wouldn't matter for someone like myself. Uh, yeah, there's just little things like, uh, like Corey, my mechanic, he's, he's really smart and, and, um, that they, they come stock, like, like the oil breather, it goes into the air box. Um, so when, if you crash or something, if the bike goes upside down at all, oil goes into the air box and then it starts blowing smoke out the exhaust because it sucks it through the intake. So like little things like that, rerouting that, blocking off the old hole. And then, um, there was, there was a few little things we had at mud races where we were having some issues with intake and, um, um, some other plastic parts. So we've upgraded and everything's been, everything's been solid now, a lot more bulletproof. So what you're really saying is, don't wind up upside down. Yeah. And then oil won't get in your airbox. Yeah. I, I mean, technically you shouldn't ever be upside down, but yeah, if, if it was to happen, yeah. Don't be that worried if, if smoke's blown out the exhaust because uh, there's probably just a little oil in the airbox. It'll, it, it'll burn out too. It's not a big deal. Just, it just looks bad and might run <laughs> a little bad for a sec. Yeah. Well, one of the cool things that's um, having you kind of back uh, on Yamaha, and I know you've done a lot of the National Enduro since then, but it's just like being able to see you racing the way that you've been doing. You've been doing great between the GNCCs, the National Enduros, and then, of course, some of the other events that you've kind of put in there. What is that like, switching back and forth? Are you on the same 450? Do you make massive you know, changes between National Enduros and GNCCs, stuff like that? Yeah, no, um I started racing Linduros on the gas gas and, uh, man, I, I like, they're hard. It's a learning curve. Um, you, it's like slower, faster a lot of the time and, uh, it's really easy to override. So, 
um, towards the end of the year last year, I started getting consistently on the podiums and I was, I've had a lot of seconds. I really want to, I haven't won one yet. So I really want to win one. I've had a lot of seconds and, uh, and it is crazy because I'll be second and we'll be after six tests, I'll be under 10 seconds out of the lead. It's like, we're all so close. So um, I think uh, last year in Michigan, me, Stu and Grant, we were like 15 seconds apart between first and third. So it was, it was pretty, it's pretty tight racing. It's, it's cool. Um, I'm enjoying them because I'm getting better at them and uh, they're, it's just a different kind of racing, but I ride the same, same bike as I ride at GNCC. Sometimes we'll go maybe a click or two softer, try to just kind of go a little bit softer for the Enduros because you're kind of coming in blind, not knowing what you're going to hit. So you got to retrail and sometimes some things you hit, you want a little bit more cushion. So um, I've, I've tried doing like different settings and going back and forth, but I, I typically like my bikes to feel the same. So I just kind of run the same setting that I run out of GMC, but we try to just go a little bit softer probably. Yeah. That's one of those things where it sounds like it's consistent. So even though it may rebound more, like you said, you might make it a little bit softer, but in the long run, it may still be stiffer than somebody else's, but you know that. And like, yeah. so the way that it reacts, you kind of know what it's going to do. So you can adapt and not expect the bike to try to be perfect. Exactly. No, I think just knowing what it's going to do, like you're just comfortable, you know what your bike's going to do is, is a huge part of it. I don't like to make too many changes like coming up into a race. Yeah, man, that's crazy. But then what are your thoughts on the GNCC for you this year? Now, I looked in the results. No, it, it is tough for me, right? 44, I got three kids, all this kinds of stuff. Oh, Seat yeah. time's not the full-time gig, right? Like keeping up with all this stuff. But it looked like there were two results missing from round three and round nine for you. And I know you, I think you've had some injuries this year. So kind of like what's GNCC been like this year for you and how, how have you felt about yeah. it? No, for sure. I came in really confident. Um, I was working really hard in January and then um, I, I broke my collarbone exactly four weeks before round one. So I got surgery. Got to play you, you and Zach Osborne are like hanging yeah. out in the ward together, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yep, exactly. He did it. He did it just before. Luckily, I had I had that four week buffer, so um, I got it plated, and I came out with no expectations. And uh, like I said, four weeks after surgery, and I still got on the box. So I was like, okay, we're still in this thing. Um, so then, uh, Florida, Florida, we were right there battling for the for the podium the whole race. I uh, ultimately ended up fourth of that one, but. Um, we we're all really close, and so uh, Florida is one of my tougher races anyway. So I was I was still happy with that. And then um, yeah, the one you're talking about was round three. It was a total mutter, and we were in third place. And um, we just had a, a unfortunate bike issue last lap. And um, yeah, I I think a lot of people blew up at that race. But yeah, mm. it was like I said, that was one of the little kinks we're trying to. We had to figure out the hard way on the new new model. So we uh, we um, didn't finish that race, lost a lot of points, but then I came out the next round swinging and I was able to win the next round. So yeah, um, I was stoked with that and uh, just like kind of rebounded and was like, okay, we can still get back into this. And then, um, yeah, just kind of from there, I, I had a few pretty rough races. Um, I think I I had some issues of my own 
um, at Camp Coker and then Indiana. Um, it was a mixture of me and um, some little little issues with the, with the bike, um, but nothing nothing major. And then we came back and regrouped, and we've been we've been consistently on the podium here towards the end of the year. So um, it's been it's been kind of a little bit of a roller coaster, yeah, kind of up and down. But I just think I'm looking back at it, I'm like, man, if those two races where I got a DNF because of uh, issue that was kind of out of my control um, I think we wouldn't be too far off so I'm really looking forward to uh, 2024 coming in strong and um, hopefully no no DNFs that'll that'll make right. a huge difference for us yeah, yeah so like third right now right in the XC1 points it looks like and Craig DeLong doing pretty awesome right getting the the lead right yeah. now in the points um, is there a chance for the way the math to work out that you could get into second. I don't think it looks like it could work out for you to get into first um, unless something were to go drastically no, wrong for DeLong. Yeah, there's no way. I I don't, I honestly haven't even looked at the points with those few DNS. I think I'm actually more like fifth or something roughly. I don't know. Someone mentioned that, but um, uh, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, you're I'm right. Just, you're in fifth I'm right now. Playing it, but, yeah, I'm just playing it race by race. Like I just want to go win. Um, uh, after those few issues, those few races, snowshoe, I uh, I, I sheared a foot peg off. It was something stupid that was just yeah, just we don't normally do. So, um, and we we didn't have the hardware to get it get it fixed with a timely manner to even be worth going back out. So, stupid little things like that that we've um, we've reinforced and made better and uh hopefully yeah like i said no dns so i think if we can win this weekend though it'll look good going in this that's what we did last year we won this last race and i was like i said feeling really good coming into uh 20 this year so do that again this year hopefully and go into next year coming in confident here's a question for you i guess all of these are questions for you that's a dumb comment (laughs) so let's just say you win right? Like we're spitballing yeah. here and you cu- you're going with a ton of confidence, right? But it's like everything I was doing got me to where I won the last one, right? So yeah. in the long run, as you head into the beginning of say 2024, not a lot needs to change, right? Like, it, it, and probably if nothing else, you just stay consistent with whatever it was that you're doing, but it feels like, and I see it, it feels like we always are like more is better, right? Yeah. Like I have to do more to become even faster, to become a better racer, right? To do all of these things. And so how do we come into this break, right? Between the end of 23 and the beginning of 24 and not put pressure. Well, and and how do you not put pressure on yourself to override, to over-practice, to maybe go faster than is needed sometimes so that we don't have a potential injury? Now, we have to caveat this. The the sport is dangerous. Like that is just par for the course. Yeah. We know that, you know that, but like, what are your thoughts on that? No, that's a really good question. Um, it's kind of been a, uh, a new thing this last few years where more isn't always better. And so like, uh, on the training side of things, uh, not overtraining and balance is a big deal. Um, recovery is a huge deal. And, We've learned that, like when I first came over here working with Wibbs, he he ran me into the ground. I was I've never never trained in my life, and I'm training with Paul Wibley, who's like 
yeah. biggest animal. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was very hard to keep up with. I, I honestly, yeah, it was an eye, eye opener. But coming from that to I've worked with Caleb, I've worked with Tyler Rattray, I've worked with a lot of people that that um kind of have taught me things throughout the years, um, just kind of balance and I kind of know what I need to do now um, for me personally. And then also uh, get a little older, a little bit like on the practice days on the track. Um, I don't have to necessarily be the fastest at practice. I, I mean, we all have our egos, but sometimes I, I know it's, uh, it doesn't matter on practice day and you need to save it for race day. So if I'm not feeling it that day, I'm not going to, try to push the limit too much but um yeah this year coming into uh round one i was just down in florida and we were riding sand whoops and it was i had a really stupid high side crash that sent me right on my shoulder and broke my collarbone so i, I didn't feel like i was pushing it or doing anything crazy then but yeah so it still can happen the sport is it'll bite you when you least expect it so um yeah yeah, it's tough, man. What you said a couple of things in there. More isn't always better, and right. recovery is a huge deal. I totally agree. But tell me more. Tell yeah. everybody else what that means, right? Um, no, it's just more. I like to watch my resting heart rate. I I have a kind of, I know where it's at every morning. I check it. Um, actually, my watch pretty much. I used to check it myself, but. A watch is always pretty dang close to what I check. So and I just, why do you do that? Like, what if, if somebody else is like, oh, check my resting heart rate. Like, what does that tell you so that others could try to, like, start yeah. to connect the dots? I just try to keep – because now I know I know where my resting heart rate should be. So if it's uh, running really high for, like, a few days, I'm like, okay, I need to back her down a little bit. And um, so just kind of maybe have a have a easy day where, like, our we have – we kind of have set hard days and set easy days. And so you do get that recovery. Um, I'll do like riding and gym in one day. And then uh, the next day do the same, but then like third day, just go for like a easy one hour spin. So you just kind of flush the muscles and, and not overdo it. And it's almost like a recovery ride. And then that day do some bike work or something and you just kind of, you're recovering. So um, the next day you feel much better. So I typically don't ever go like more than two days in a row of real hard days. So um, the balance really, and then it depends even sometimes during in season, you'll be feeling run down just because you're doing too much and you just need to back her down a little bit, um, not go, go so crazy. Um, the biggest deal is uh, preseason and like summer break is you have a, you have a good building block preseason because uh coming into it uh you want you want a good solid six weeks of like hard intensity training just to build build your your uh your your base build it really high and um, then you come into it and then during season you're not trying to um and like improve your base you're trying to just manage until summer break right yeah so, I mean, there's a lot to it. It's hard to uh, get into it too deep. But, yeah, there's a lot lot of – and everyone's different. Everyone's bodies are different. So some people can take this much um, load and some people can't. So um, everyone's – yeah, everyone 
everything doesn't work for one person or one thing doesn't work for everyone. I said that backwards, but yeah. Yeah. Have you, what you said your watch, did you use a Garmin or something like that? Or do you have a different biometric device that you use? Yeah. I I like to wear a Garmin. Um, I've gone between Garmin and the Polar and I typically, yeah, I've, I've been liking the Garmin a lot more. Yeah, I've been wearing Whoop for like three or four years now, and that's what I use. Oh, yeah. um, I think I got it in 2019, but it's like it, it's really been a big help for me when I got diagnosed with my psoriatic arthritis for all the reasons that you said. It's telling me, like, I know what my base levels are, and it's yeah. telling me when I'm off of my base levels, and it's things that I can pay attention to that I can go back and be like, oh, God, what did I eat yesterday? What did I do yesterday? What did I do the day before that? Like, and is anything causing those kind of flare ups? Um, and yeah. typically, like, I'll train on a bad, like I was in the red one other day and I never, I didn't give a shit. I, I didn't even yeah. check. I just, I was yeah. like, I woke up, I felt good getting out of bed. So I went and trained. And after I trained, I was like, oh shit, I'm in the 20% red. It's like, I don't let it lead my life. But on days where I wake up and feel like shit, I look at it because then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, is this a thing or do I just, did I just not sleep that good? And I can do whatever I want to do anyway. And then sometimes you just have to say, well, you know what? Today's race day. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm showing up on the line and I'm going to control what I can control. And I think it's interesting. And, and I know that like uh, racers and riders like Justin Barsha, there are a couple others that use biometric devices in Supercross and Motocross. And those are racers and riders. I, like, uh, I want to talk to them because like, I think it's so interesting that more riders are doing exactly what you're talking about um, and getting smarter because it's learning about the fact that it's like how to put in the right kind of hard work and put yeah. it in the right place. Um, sure. so with all that, well, and like you how, said, with no, that, go, go but like, uh, you were just saying it also monitors your sleep too, which is it's yep. kind of, you know, if you got a good, good rest and it's not always perfect. Like some days I feel fine. And it says you got terrible sleep. And I'm like, Oh, whatever. But, um, but yeah, some days I, it always monitors your hours too. Like how, how long you slept and if you're lacking and, and whatever. So, um, your recharge sleep is sleep is a big deal you need sleep everyone's everyone needs sleep yeah man yeah it wasn't until i mean i, I don't drink anymore but when i was still which is uh, from the old woody that a lot of people know that's <laughs> that's that says a lot right like um uh but my, my liver had enough let's just put it that way yeah but um it was crazy when again when i was on whoop i was still when i started i was still drinking and that was one of the first things that showed when it showed me like what alcohol was doing in my body i was like oh yeah yeah i I think i need to rethink this and it's it's been a it was a slow burn (laughs) from that point till i stopped drinking but in the long run so it's very interesting okay but how does ricky bobby ricky bobby russell (laughs) how do you use food and nutrition to help with uh you know more more isn't always better and recovery being a huge deal yeah that's that's a whole whole nother thing but uh i i just kind of like a lot of us for GCC, we're not too crazy. I try to, I try to minimize dairy, but I uh, just try to eat clean. Um, not anything, obviously no fast food or anything like that. Like Chipotle, I love Chipotle. That's good. But like, just like, yeah, try to eat clean. Really. That's the, all I can really say. Um, I try to carb load on, on the day before the race. I mean, I try to carb load uh, multiple days before the race, but I, really what does that mean to you? Them. Like when other, when people hear that, they like, you know, it kind of takes us back to that spaghetti plate the night before a race, you yeah, know, at a yeah. big banquet and stuff. So what does, what does carbo load mean to you? 
Yeah, for sure. Giant, giant thing of pasta. Um, I usually try to do like more lower sodium pasta sauce because everything's got so much sodium in it, which sodium's good. We need it. Um, I still, I, I drink enough sodium uh, and um, uh, carbohydrate mixes and whatnot. So um, the food, I, I like to do pasta and a steak. I do a giant ribeye steak the night before a race. Um, a lot of people say that's, that's not the way to do it because your body spends energy digesting it. But uh, me, Stu, uh, Liam, Johnny, we, a lot of us, we all know we all eat steak the night before. And uh, I think it's just, uh, just to help have some reserve a little bit because three hours, uh, it's like that last hour is always tough no matter what. So um, we do that and then hydration's key. Hydration's a big deal, uh, especially earlier in the season when it's hot out. Uh, there's a lot of races where a lot of people start fading towards the end just because the heat and uh, that'll get you. So, um, but biggest thing is, yeah, eating clean, uh, just not eating junk. Um, I have, a, I eat a lot of uh, granola bars through the day too, in between eating my meals. Just I kind of coming into a race, try to eat a lot of food just to make sure I'm. I'm up on everything. I tracked it all for a while with my trainer, Harrison. He uh, he, he sends me like a day-to-day kind of programs. Um, and I we kind of go back and forth on what, what I'm going to do, depending on how I'm feeling and everything throughout every week. So he, uh, he had me get the, an app to track all, make sure I was getting enough calories too for a while. And it was, I, it was just a pain in the butt to track every single thing. So I kind of well, how, how many what was that da- daily calorie intake looking like uh it, it just it ranged but like so at a gncc i'll burn i'll burn 3,000 yeah. calories at a gncc so really like we're make, trying to make sure we're just getting getting a lot of calories day to day yeah it's tough because at that point at some point you almost just need to eat anything like and that's yeah. where like you see some athletes will just sit down with a tub of ice cream because it's like at that point it's about the calories than it is than it is about whatever's inside of it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I've I found that as well. Like Whoop Whoop is uh, notoriously not very good at calories, but that's okay. I don't use it for that because uh, the way that I eat now, I don't need to worry about it. I know what yeah. I eat. I eat extremely unprocessed foods because of my yeah. arthritis, right? And yeah. so it's like I have to eat so much vegetables and fruit that it's so heavy on water that I just have to, I have to just keep eating. And I do leverage like protein shakes and stuff like that so that I can get in some extra supplements there when I'm just too full yeah. from everything else. I'm like, well, I can't eat anymore. I'm going to drink a thing. So it's, it's Isn't interesting. It crazy how much better you feel <laughs> eating like all that, like non-processed. It's, food. it's ridiculous. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. There's just so much, so much processed food now. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's, it's, it's easy to get a hold of. That's yeah. it, it. It's like, it's one of those things where like, if you want to have the cookie or you want to have the Oreos or the bag of chips every now and again, it's really not that bad of a thing. But the problem is, is that all of that stuff is subsidized. And so it's extremely cheap and it's been created yeah. to be a way that not only does it taste good, but it's also easy to overeat, right? It is literally built in a way that we can chew it less to get in like three or 400 calories yeah. of chips what would normally take us 100 calories of a steak 
right? Because it's yep. like, to your point, like we got to chew the steak. Like we can't just like put it in our mouth. We, it can't just like digest and be all creamy and buttery and amazing. <laughs> maybe if you had a tomahawk, maybe, maybe if you had a yeah. tomahawk steak. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's absolutely. And again, I don't say that to be like, screw the food industry. Don't do it's that it's very hard to remember the balance aspect of it. I mean, you used that yeah. word earlier and that's exactly what yeah. this is also. It's like, if you could kind of stick to that 80-20 of like, listen, like 80% of the time, I'm going to kind of stick to these sorts of things. And then I'm going to go out and get ice cream. I'm going to go yep. get some butter at the movies, or I'm going to go have a Coke every night. Like, cool, but just don't keep it in the house. And then it yeah. becomes, again, easier. <laughs> like, but it's not, yeah. not, not as easy, right? <laughs> like it isn't. So no. it's, yeah. So, and, and you guys caught me on my soapbox. I apologize. <laughs> When it comes to the GNCCs and the National Enduros, I want to know exactly what that three hours looks like for intake, because I think that's a big, that feels like a big question mark for a lot of people. You know, we've yeah. talked to Josh Toth. We've talked to uh, uh, Zach Osborne. We've talked to a lot of racers in a row. We've talked to Alex Martin about this kind of stuff. And it's it's just different. Everybody uses different things, right? But the whole idea for you guys being out there for so long, you're wanting to take in water. You're wanting to get in yep. electrolytes. Typically, you're going to get in a majority carbs, right? Uh, how do you do that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I, uh, I really struggle with stomach problems after a race. Um, I don't know if it's l lacking because I've tried so many things throughout the years. And like usually if I, try, if I find something that works, I try to stick with it. Well, I always find something that works sometimes and then sometimes it's not. And I'm like, oh man, maybe I need to change it up. So I change it up and I, I've tried a lot of different different brands and different things um, where now I I typically just run water in my camelback. Uh, maybe with a, maybe if I did water in my camelback, throw one liquid IV just for a little flavor. So it's not really much sodium anyways, but then in my, my bottle handoffs, I'll try to have some sort of carb drink. Uh, I've done the, the Morton um, for years, and then I kind of was struggling with a little bit of stomach problems. So I lately have been running Scratch. Um, seemed like, it, I don't know why, but I've been Oh, not Scratch, having, okay. Yeah, so I've been not having as much stomach issues anymore. So um, I usually mix up like pretty strong bottles so they're i'm getting a decent amount of intake but i don't want to overdo it because yeah my my stomach's sensitive um and i i don't really get affected during the race that much though it's always after so i i found some new things to do after the race to really help my stomach and um like poop like, well I, you, I literally I can't sometimes you can't you feel like you need to and you can't but your stomach <laughs> it's like I always tell my wife I'm like I'm having contractions <laughs> like dude they come and go their stomach cramps and when they come they're like the most painful I'm like this has got to be worse than giving birth <laughs> but I'll be in the fetal position on the ground sometimes like and not anymore but I've done that in the past but now i've learned things to do um i try to i try to drink a little protein shake right after i try to I'll sometimes have some bread and peanut butter and honey just to the bread i feel like gets in my stomach and kind of absorbs some of my stomach acids that are having issues so 
Um, yeah. just That's what I was going like to say. That. It's like, if the, if there's a way to try to look at, uh, I, I don't, I know about all the stuff you were talking about when it comes to liquid IV, the Martin gels or yeah. to scratch stuff, but I don't know their breakdowns. Right. And so a lot of these guys, they're going to use glucose to some degree, but it's all going to be different. Some of it might be like a maltodextrin. Some of it's going to be like dextrose. Some of it's going to be some kind of fructose. Right. But if you look at what gives you the worst cramps after the fact and stay away from that, which I'm assuming that's what you're doing. But at the same time, maybe look for something, find a way to switch back and forth, right? Like, so if you've got something that's like super simple carbohydrate, like a maltodextrin, maybe go to something that's more fructose based. So then it's like more from, I think from the liver, right? Versus what's going to happen when it goes into the into the process with everything that goes into glycolysis and everything like that. Um, And it will because the thing is, it's like too much is happening in your stomach, right? And in the yes. long run, you're probably somebody that needs to digest more versus drink more. But you're racing for three hours. You can't digest food, right? So what yeah. you need to think about is like, is there a way that I can drink maybe in- intermixed in there more complex carbs so that yeah. your body's not just like it's just instantly inundated with glucose or fructose and then the insulin spikes and then everything that your stomach wants to do to digest it, it can't because it doesn't have anything to play with. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just going straight yes. into the bloodstream. That's exactly could be, what it feels like. Could be something to play with. Or another weird thing, and we will get off of this topic uh, for all of those that are extremely bored, is uh, <laughs> adding adding a little bit of protein. And by a little bit, yeah. I mean like every time you take in like five grams, two to five grams of protein. I mean, and again, so now you're giving your body something to digest and not yeah. just like try yeah. try and shove straight into your bloodstream. Um, and yeah. that could, again, maybe, it, but the thing is you got to test this stuff on like, you that's know, off days, you don't want to test is, it on race days. Yeah. Like, that's the hardest part is we, I try to test things on off days, but it's never to that intensity of a race day, you know? So when the testing is never the same, so there's sometimes I like try stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's good. I'll, I, I think I should go to this it's getting, giving me this much calories and this much carbs if i can do that three times uh i should be better off and then go to the race do it and i'm i it, i get sick and feel like crap and blah 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 so it's for me it's really hard to try too much and so like i think that's why a lot of people are like uh it's kind of a question mark they don't really know because no one really has the answer because everyone's different but yeah uh, i'm trying i've tried a lot of different things so i kind of know what works for me and yeah i i do like your idea maybe a little bit of protein or or something like that to help something trying to digest because that's like i said part of the reason i think why the steak has helped me a little bit too is i think i'm still digesting it later Hmm. the next day yeah, and that's it's so interesting. It's so tough because you know you just read about carbs and you read about this and you read about this supplement. And you read about this and it's like it, yeah. it doesn't take into account that we're all vastly different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like I don't have the stomach problems you do, so I do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, I want to ask a couple. Thank you for sharing some of that stuff. And yeah. is it typically the same for enduros? Like, because the thing is, is with enduros you guys don't really need to carry hydration because you have your people there like between every test, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of nice. We uh, can stop and have a drink. I, I typically will just drink, I'll drink carbohydrates throughout the day uh, or some sort of electrolyte drink. Um, 
and then maybe every now and then throw in just a water. But uh, and that I'll snack consistently throughout the day too. Just little snacks, easy snacks, um, little granola bars, um, little an orange, an apple. Like I kind of like to uh, mix it up with stuff that sounds good at the time. Um, I never eat anything too heavy or big though. I, I don't really ever have a big appetite when I'm doing high intensity stuff. So uh, enduros are really like sprint recover sprint recover sprint recover and when i'm doing that stuff i can't really eat a lot but i can eat some at least there because we get breaks yeah yeah the the supplement that i use i use uh element so because of my arthritis i don't tip, yeah. use a lot of the typical uh carbohydrate stuff so i use you can as um because whatever they do space science whatever magic yeah. it doesn't spike my it doesn't spike insulin nearly insulin. as bad as most other carbohydrate drinks and stuff like that and so it doesn't seem to flare up my arthritis as bad right as some of that other yeah. stuff so i leverage that with some element in there and then i did the same thing i have tangerines and rice throughout the day yeah. so i kind of yeah. keep that in there like about 20 to 40 grams of that you can stuff so it's about 20 to 40 grams of carbs in my three liters until that's gone, and then I just refill it as I need to with some element and maybe. But then I, I'll I'll mix in the orange and the rice throughout the day lightly yep. because again, like I just feel like I work better with a little bit of stuff in my belly, like For with sure. my body's and it's like. But again, I'm not trying to win the Olympics. I'm not trying to optimize every little thing. I just want to feel good yeah. and have fun, and that helps me do yeah. that. So it's totally you know like. No, for sure. I think, like you said, everyone's everyone's a little different. So figuring out what works best for you. But if something's not working, you got to try stuff and maybe do a little research and figure out like you're talking about, maybe do a little more of this or a little more of that or a certain kind or, or whatever. Yeah. So I did get a couple of listener questions. And now that we're like almost to the end of this thing, I got to get yeah. to these people. We got to keep these yeah. people, if they're still here. We did, as always, it, whatever it is, I always yeah. find some weird rabbit hole with somebody that we just like, I mean, it is head first. You got to pull me out with a rake, man. I am just getting all up into this thing. So somebody was asking about brake pedal height. And he wants to know, actually, it was Tyler. And he's like, do you ride? It's an interesting question. So he's kind of one asking about brake pedal height. But the second part of this is kind of like, do you ride with your feet staggered? And I think kind of what he's meaning is like, are you on the balls of your feet, like on the left side, and then maybe more on the arch of your foot on the right side so that you have more quickness to your rear brake pedal, right? Or are you kind of like balls of your feet and just move to where you need to be? I mean, ideal form is balls of the feet and move to where you want to be. But I, uh, I find myself staggered quite often where my, my left foot is more on my ball on my foot and my right foot. I, I like to hover that brake too much, probably more than I should. Um, I mean, you shouldn't, I like to ride my rear brake sometimes too much. And, uh, I think it's, it's not good form for sure, but that's just, <laughs> I feel more comfortable with it. Hey, so. if you're winning the race though, right? Hey, I mean, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I'm pretty bad about being on balls of the feet, but, yeah, I try to focus on it a little bit because sometimes also just your form and just gripping the bike, it helps. Just like you can walk your feet on the pegs. Um, Steve Hatch actually uh, teaches that. Like you kind of go in with your toes and lock them and squeeze in and it literally like pulls your feet in on the foot pegs. So hmm. there's – um, And that that is like a point in, like so balls of your feet, it kind of like point your you toes in? Point, yeah, where you kind of point in but then move your feet and they lock 
like because they're digging into the uh the teeth and so when they do that they kind of lock in and squeeze the bike so um cool. it just kind of helps you keep planted but yeah, I'm uh, not the best at form, but I uh, try to work on that day in, day out. Um, my brake pedal, I if I'm riding it too much, you know, I, I will run it a little lower. So I hopefully will stay off of it a little more. But I'm sometimes notorious known for riding that thing in my mechanic. Which, and then what about height on the brake pedal? Yeah, that's why. So yeah, that's where if, if uh, I kind of run it like almost flush with the peg if you were to look at the peg it'd be almost mm-hmm. straight uh, and if i'm having problems where i'm riding it too much i'll go a little bit below even sometimes but um i i typically don't try to put it above the peg just because i don't want to ride it too much yeah and you guys don't have the throw adjustability on a yamaha like you do on like a ktm or more of a euro style it's, it's a little different but you can't. You can still adjust it, yes. But it's a little different the way the way it is. And uh, uh, I'm pretty picky about my rear brakes. I don't like when the pads uh, get hot and do the squeak and then lock up. Like it bothers me. I'd rather uh, like sometimes practicing. If my pads get glazed, I'll spray WD-40 on them. Like I and then they won't work for a little bit. But at least it'll smooth me out because. I know my brakes aren't working and just kind of be smoother into the corner instead of coming in and locking up. I hate when my rear tire uh, does the squeak, the whole, and then locks up and skids because right. then I feel like I have no control. So I I try to make sure I don't glaze my pit pads. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. So Harrison, your trainer, did send yeah. one message and it was, uh, who's your trainer? And so instead of, uh, <laughs> you know, like obviously Harrison, we know that you're uh, – how did you get hooked up with Harrison? Um, uh, through through Regulus. Well, actually, through Harrison. I met Harrison at uh, the Shoals when I was down there. I, I spent a lot of time in South Carolina. So I, me and Stu are good buddies. So I go down there a lot. And Harrison was working down there for a little while and then kind of got on his program because I was having a lot of shoulder issues. Uh, just I've broken too many collarbones. And so... Uh, the shoulders are weak at times, and um, he, I got on his program to kind of work with that mostly. So he helps me really a lot with the lifting and, and the uh, the just plyometric, like just working on my shoulder strength with like flexibility. So it's a uh, he's he's really good on that in that department. He's really good in a lot of departments, but I really focus with him on the uh, the weightlifting and just getting stronger. Cool, man. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was fun, like uh, you know, to get that question, and I was like, huh. And then I went to the next one was the next one was like calorie intake. I was like, oh, this is the same guy. I was like, I bet you this is yeah. his trainer. And then I like, clicked through, and I was like, nice, I like it. Good on you, yeah, Harrison. Yeah, you got to yeah. do what you can, buddy. Okay, so this one's for me. What would you tell young Ricky Russell if you could go back in time before you were a pro? Ooh. Um. Well, part of me is like, I wish I would have just started a little earlier, like the racing scene, just because, like I said, I didn't start racing GNCs till I was 22, and now there's top riders at 22, you know, they're starting out, or like people are come through the youth and come come all the way up to the stages like Caleb Russell and Thad Duvall and the Baylors, like 
so now they got they like got to learn it way sooner so i i wish i pardon me says i want wish i would have started it earlier but pardon me i would have i gotten burnt out i don't know so i don't know um if i was to go back and tell younger ricky russell uh really i would tell him to focus on staying healthy <laughs> i know it's easier said than done because i have had a lot of injuries and yeah um those are those are like the hardest part of the sport it, it just sets you back every time you do that so um there's no way i could really tell him to not do that but <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know um but yeah and then just maybe get into it a little sooner because that kind of took me a little bit of time to commit and actually load up all my belongings in a van and drive across the country to come try to race so that's a big one dude yeah maybe tell them to get after it a year or two earlier i think maybe two years earlier would have been pretty sweet cool man well and uh congrats on getting married like oh thank you yeah how awesome july. is that right in july and it was it was cool it was a, it was that's phenomenal time. dude yeah um what did i miss like what what didn't i ask what do you is there any like secrets that you're just dying to get off your chest you know because you're just <laughs> holding this thing in uh, for you know the rest of your life i mean not that i can think of no secrets no deep dark secrets that i know of. what about <laughs> brian elliott you've been hanging out with brian elliott at all Dude, I texted him. Uh, I I know I haven't seen him forever. I saw a picture. I think it's the name of the company he's working for is Sovereign there in yeah. Montana. And uh, I yep. saw a picture of them like together, like on LinkedIn and everything. And I was like, <laughs> oh, dude, I texted him. I was like, oh, I miss you, dude. Like, because it was just, <laughs> yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah. Like, I've just seen a bunch of pictures of him on Instagram and on LinkedIn, and he looks happy as shit, running, yep. or, you know, like all your races like or crazy. something crazy. Yeah, yeah like. That. Yeah. but it's like a big smile and that's awesome. Yep. Like yep. that's what we really want, like to be able to look back on. So for sure. He's staying healthy and, and, uh, looks like he's getting after it, but, um, indeed. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you missed this much really. All right. Well, and, and we didn't get you into trouble. I don't think we asked any questions no, that are just like, much, you know, no. yeah. I didn't want to throw my DNFs. Didn't want to throw the bike under the bus too much, but yeah, just had some DNFs and, then I also did have some races that were on me, so uh, we worked out. We wouldn't. We really worked those out. And uh, these last two races, we had a serious mutter our first race back from summer break, and uh, I was yeah. able to. Lead. I led most of that race, and then Stu, Stu got me and Craig, but uh, we were we were able to finish. And I think everyone was. Uh, everyone's bikes were struggling there too, because it was it was a gnarly one, super gnarly. Dude. Well, good luck at the season finisher this coming weekend right there in Indiana. Yeah. Have fun. Hopefully you do get on the box again and you can say, man, yep. seat time is awesome. Everybody should go on that show because then you just win, right? Like that's yep. just kind of how it works. So, yep. and hopefully that actually works out and you don't blame me for something else. Yeah. If I don't, don't win, then I can blame you for that too. As but long no, as you no. say it on the podium, right? Then we're good to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I'm going to hit stop. Thank you very much right. for your time. Thank you, man. 
I would be lying to you if I told you I didn't enjoy some of the rabbit holes that we go down on these podcast episodes. The nutrition thing really does interest me, and it's why I spend so much of my personal time researching, reading, and trying to become a little bit smarter about what it is we can do using nutrition to fuel our bodies. Maybe not even just while we're on the bike, but throughout life as well. So if you do have any questions about that kind of stuff, obviously reach out. I'm all over Instagram. You can hit it up on Seat Time, find us on YouTube, any of those places. I want to keep having more conversations like that. Again, if you happen to have an in with Justin Barsha, I do want to talk to Justin Barsha. I want to have that conversation. Please, if you want to support Seat Time, the Utility Can Caddy is out there for pre-order right now. Go find that at shop.seattime.co. And just thank you for the support. I hope you guys enjoyed getting Seat Time. And if nothing else, we will see you on the internet. Peace.